incredible to be able to look into the future like Professor Peter Newman's able to do and the thing is that of course Peter's been talking about these projects in the future and trying to convince people for so many years and to all of a sudden Peter to see the fact that it's acceptable, people have got wide eyes about it and we think wow this is what's going to happen, it's inevitable isn't it? Yeah I think the uh, the changeover from fossil fuels is the interesting one because there's a lot of people still can't quite imagine it but it's happening so quickly and the solar on our roofs, the batteries that are coming in, the electric vehicles, they're all working well and uh, they're phasing out a lot quicker than most people thought of the, the kind of fuels that we've been dependent on. Um, but it'll, it'll, it'll be a continuing process to learn how to do that and that's what our research projects are mostly about, how to make it fit into the city so how do you do industrial complexes and and uh, business parks and city centres and shops? And yeah. these all have to switch over, and that, that switching process is on the agenda, but we want to try and show them how in the best practice, the best way it's done around the world. Peter, the future of the trackless trams, uh, what, what, are you, what are you suggesting? What, yeah, what are we going to see? The main thing is to see it as a connector across the city. You see, we've got this fast train system going up and down the, the corridors now, which is terrific, uh, you know, a major breakthrough for any city to have that uh, major service. But you've got to get to it. And um, you can't provide parking enough. Um, So, yeah, the buses are being used, but they're they're hard to predict. So the the main thing is with a mid-tier kind of service, it's called. It's not a bus. It's not a train. It's somewhere in between, and it's like a light rail. So the trackless tram can take you along South Street all the way to the Murdoch station, or it can go um, along uh, Scarborough Beach Road to Glendalow Station. It can do all of those linking jobs. And all the local governments have been working with us, and they've come up with a map showing where all of these routes should be. And the state government now put their map together it's pretty much the same yeah. i mean we can see we can see the main roads mm. that need to have a really good service that will run across to the rail stations and link us all in and then we'll have a much better service oh without a doubt and i think the public would absolutely embrace that because you're right we've been talking about it for years they can if they live in the outer suburbs or you know away from a train station they can't drive the car like you said they haven't got parking spots there so Mm. they uh, get in their car and get on the freeway which they don't like doing anyway so we're talking about not um this tram parallel travelling down next to a train line, we're talking about the main roads. Yeah, the main roads that lead to those freeway-based services that we've got right across the city. And and there's quite a few routes. Uh, One coming through the Scarborough one, for example, if you keep going through the city, through from Glendalow into the city, down through Leaderville, it would come out the other way along uh, Albany Highway, out to Curtin via Kent Street. Now that's a that's a, a particular link that would enable a lot of people to be able to get a quick service across the city, and so those kind of projects are, are on the agenda. And I think the the one that 
the state government's liking most of all is along South Street between Murdoch and uh, and Fremantle yeah. as as a model, as a first up. And I don't care where it gets first up because it'll happen all <laughs> over the place. Once You'll be you cutting the it. ribbon, won't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Any, anywhere will do. And it was like the first electric trains we got, you know, because, yeah. oh, this is better. So we <laughs> so now better. wanted to go north and then south and then, you know, around to Ellenbrook and, and so sure on. Because yeah, we so know how it works more so well. More. How big are these trackless trams going to be for the future if the public yeah. embrace it? Well, the one we had in uh, at Stirling, which was very popular, we had 1,300 people ride it on the on the Sunday morning. On the uh, same day? Yeah, in, on the, just between 8 and 11. No, not at that, one That's time. why I was wondering how yeah, big it may yeah, have no, to get well, to be. Well, you can get to up to 300 people okay. on it. Uh, yeah. That's pretty squeezed. So 100 is quite easy so to There's take. a few carriages. Right? Yeah, three carriages. Right. They join together. And uh, it's it, it's definitely more train-like. And when you ride it, you see the ride quality is so beautiful. It's so easy to ride. It doesn't buck around and, and, and you know, the kind of problems that a lot of people have with buses. Um, it, it really is a delight to ride. So I think you'll find that that um, will take large numbers of people down uh, main roads. It could carry the equivalent of six lanes of traffic. If you really want Way to. to go, get cars mm. off the road. Yep. How long is it going to take? What is actually going to happen at this uh, north of Perth location? What, how long is that going to take? Well, the, uh, I think the, the first one's likely to be studied in great detail by uh, Infrastructure Western Australia, which is now committed to this approach, uh, is likely to be that Murdoch to Fremantle one. The, the one from uh, Scarborough through to Glenelow uh, has been studied. There's a business case already out there and it's, uh, it needs more work. But So that's, that's almost ready to go and it's a question of how you then deliver it. And uh, that was what we talked about at, at our symposium, how you can get partnerships together with developers, local communities, local governments, operators and and the all the agencies that are necessary and they form partnership agreements that uh, enable that to happen and and that can be done in ways that produce a lot of affordable housing so that's the big thing that, on the agenda now and that is one way how does to that do it. tie in with it well it, they can be built around the station so the stations become very important they're where you get recharge and those recharge spots can be used by all the local electric bikes electric vehicles like it it becomes a center and people will want to be there and work there and live near it um so that's what developers like to do so the local governments are all saying all right we'll put our five to eight story developments all around that so let's do it with the housing providers saying let's get yeah. A good proportion of affordable housing in there, so people Great idea. can walk yeah. simply yeah. to the tractor tram, then to the whole system. That's how we transform oh, our city. I suddenly realised we've got a couple of callers here, probably with a couple of questions. June, good afternoon to you. No, I think it's uh, Dave. Is it Dave? Yes. yes. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Yeah, Peter. Yesterday lunchtime, between eleven thirty and about thirteen thirty hours. Two other retired Transperth managers and myself had lunch at McDonald's on the corner of Scarborough Beach Road and Lee Street. 
And as, we, as was our want, we looked at buses and other transport and we looked at our watches and we counted passengers. I don't think a route from Stirling Station to Scarborough Beach will ever fill up one of your trackless trams up. <laughs> except maybe on summer Saturdays and Sundays. Other than that, they'll be running empty most of the time. And you couldn't have enough to run the same frequency as a bus service because I think it's a total waste of taxpayers' money, to be perfectly honest. Well, maybe there won't need to be much taxpayers' money. That's what I've just been talking about, Dave. <laughs> and and certainly um, it the the whole project is based around making a whole lot more activity along that area that's not just traffic um, so it, you, ha you have to see that the buses don't generally create these centres that we're talking about and and this the trackless trams are likely to do that so it is a different technology yeah. um, it's and, a totally and, different technology yeah, yes is. I agree yeah Okay, well, thank you very much, Dave. We've just got a thank few you. calls. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, uh, we have got uh, June. Good afternoon to you. How are you? Good, thank you, June. Go ahead. Um, Peter, um, I'd like to ask you a question, and you seem to be in the know about all these technologies. Um, in 1990, we formed a company called Planetary Technologies because in, um, in uh, Rio they had a big international seminar, Genie Global Energy Network International, which I'm sure you probably know about, and out of that came that we only had 20 years of fossil fuel in the world to burn, and we formed a company and to breathe the free energy, um, working on the gravity, and you know, Sarage here in WA was also, uh, had a machine as well. Can you tell me, because I've lost contact, has there been any advancements with that free energy machine? Uh, I don't know that particular one, I must admit. Um, look, there's been a lot of new technologies and they've all been competing for this new economy uh, and the ones that have won, uh, rooftop solar, batteries supporting that, wind power and electric vehicles and they can get rid of 80% of the fossil fuel requirements that we have at the moment. So they're, they're now significantly cheaper than anything else and are, are likely to be driving us into the future. So you do need uh, smart systems to make them work, but uh, generally we've got everything we need there. Okay. There you okay, go. So this, so this machine no longer... Um, I mean, Sarich was a WA guy here, and it, the premise is what you could make deserts deserts bloom from extracting the water from the, from the sky yes. and we now have all these seed clouding um, mechanisms that are going on in the world that are creating all these rain and all these different um, climate changes and I would, I would assume that it would be very similar to the same technology would, yeah, it, would I be right look, look, that? Sarich did have a lot of very good ideas and some of them yeah. continue on and uh, uh, they're parts of particular Technologies, particularly in in cars, but uh, I, I I don't know that that particular one you're mentioning. Oh, okay, that's unfair. Okay. All right. So, okay. thank you, June, very much indeed for yeah. calling. Okay, we've got a couple of questions uh, people have rung through with, um, and we have to be fairly quick on this. Um, Frank of Balladura, will 
chain tracks of nails is referred to as, how would we protect people from placing nails and diverting the train? Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, it's not that simple. Um, look, the, th- this is a particular nail that's got a magnetic sensor in it, um, and that's the only thing that, yeah, that will be uh, a- attracted to it. It's a very smart system. It's not like um, it-, it could easily be uh, distracted from that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I dare say people Hijacked. will try, um, <laughs> but throwing rocks at it and things like that is probably going to be a, an easier way to divert it if you want to, and there's always that element, but uh, this this is going to go, be going so fast they'll miss. <laughs> Thank you, Frank, very much. But Margaret of Midland, what is, what is the cost uh, involved in disposing of aged solar panels? Yeah, look, it's an important issue to make sure that we do recycle solar panels. There's a lot of them coming off roofs with new ones coming on because they're cheaper and better, um, and the old ones just get thrown away. But many of them still work quite well. So they ought to be, and, and some businesses are now setting up to recycle them back into places that need it and can't afford it that's good yeah. so, and that's the kind of thing that's starting yeah uh just you mentioned wind farms and of course you know you go across into the united states you see wind farms very prevalent are we going to start to see that in our state yeah that's the next big thing for us to get more wind farms because it does balance things off if you've got uh, the sun goes down the wind is often still up particularly in western australia so uh, that that's the uh, opportunity we've got is to put uh, more wind into our systems. I think it was yourself that might have mentioned a long time ago we sp- spoke about wind farming. It, they only work if you've got the wind. Mm. There are certain places that have more than other. Geraldton, for example, is known as that. So if we don't have wind, is, are we going to have downfalls? Uh, well, very rarely. The, okay. the, 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 the wind farms will move with almost any any kind of breeze and uh, we have very strong winds most of Easterlies the time. Easterlies in summer, yeah. 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 Sea and, breezes, uh, yeah. So I, I think this is a good place to have wind uh, and, yeah, the, all of them need storage of some kind to go with them yeah. and uh, batteries are increasingly filling that gap. What about the cost? I don't think you've mentioned this. Is it going to cost the state government or the federal government for us, for us to go this way with the trams? Uh, the trams are about $4 million per kilometre to build. Uh, the, the light rail in Sydney was $180 million per kilometre, uh, as was Canberra's and Newcastle's. So that's why people are not looking to that into the future. We had the Sunshine Coast here for our symposium saying, yes, this is the, what they need, and they'll put it in before the Olympics. Uh, we've had people from Africa coming over. We had people from Malaysia. Uh, they're all looking to see it because it is... It, it is pretty cheap, and uh, the, this is why it makes it possible to finance through land development opportunities around the stations, um, because it is a lot cheaper than the uh, average train system. That's what we need for the future, don't we? That's yep. for sure. It's got to be financially yeah. relevant and mm. and attractive, and and it really is. I think this is the breakthrough. I can see the smile on your face, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, it's happening. It was like the anti-smoking campaign. It took Professor Michael Daub. 20-odd years for people to suddenly realise this is serious. Yeah. yeah. It takes a while, but they'll you get there. I wonder what he thinks about vapes now, eh? Yeah, no, yes, I won't ask him about that. Thank you so much, as okay. always, Professor Peter Newman. Okay.